Welcome to The Clinical Entrepreneur, a business podcast that's dedicated to healthcare practitioners just like you who are hustling every day to build a business and a life you're proud of. Join me, Rhonda Nelson, as I share my own experiences and extract actionable advice from industry experts about what it takes to build and scale a profitable wellness practice. Welcome back to the Clinical Entrepreneur Podcast. I have a super special guest for you today. If you're watching on video, you can see her right next to me. This is Carolyn Bolt, and she is an interior designer. And so you're probably thinking, well, what the heck does interior design have to do with being a wellness practitioner? Well, it has everything to do with it. So don't <laughs> tune out, tune in and listen up because Carolyn and I are going to talk about the intentionality that we need to have behind designing an interior space. Now, for those of you that have virtual practices, don't check out on me here because you're going to find some tips and tricks and things that you may want to use either in the future, or you may be able to even imply that concept in your home. But I think we often underestimate the power of the, and I'll say it this way because Carolyn, my audience is going to get this term, but the energy of the space. Yes. And would you agree about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So there's an energy that's created in our space, whether our space is a home work office, and that is your space, or you actually have a physical brick and mortar space. I have both. So I have a virtual practice, a virtual business, and then I have a brick and mortar business and I'm currently standing in my brick and mortar business. So I'm actually really excited about this conversation. <laughs> I think I'm going to learn a few things about how to make my space better. So Carolyn, welcome. So I'm so glad you're here. Tell us a little bit about you why okay. you and how you got an interior design and then why you ended up serving the niche that you did. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you, Rhonda, for having me. It's fun. So I hope that this adds a lot of value to your listeners. Short story, as short as I can get it. I decided to be an interior designer when I was 14 Aww. because my father worked at NASA and he was involved in the zero gravity earth orbiting space station. And he they hired an architect intern he was in his getting his in masters. He was doing his thesis on the zero gravity of an earth orbiting space station of all things. But the psychology of that was he spent time with my dad and I got to listen to them talk, you know, after dinner and stuff. And the psychology is how can you keep people from going crazy when they're in one environment for this long extended period of time? And they started spending time talking about the psychology of your environment and how that impacts wow. you. you. You use the term energy. Yes, there's energy. And yes, isn't it all? So it's that psychology, that energy, all the things. And so what I was fascinated with is that I wanted to make a difference in people's lives, but I loved art. So this was a great way for me to mix the two, to actually oh. create environments that impacted how people acted, felt, Etc. And I got went to the University of Texas. I studied interior architectural design. I've always done commercial design. And the difference in commercial versus residential is that, that design should return create a return on investment. Yeah, baby. Gonna, now you're talking my language. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Is that it's not just about hey, is it pretty and does it make me feel good? But how does that translate to the bottom line? How does that translate oh. to increasing your profits? 
So good. And I think when you and I actually talked the first time, I was telling you the story about this physical office that I'm in and how I had hired an interior designer to come in and help me. And she gave me the board with all the pretty chairs and all the pretty things and the table and the lamp and the, all the things and building this big front desk that had these back lights and all the things. And when I, she put it out for bid, it was coming in at see her $80,000. And I was like, what are you kidding me? It can take me years to recover that. Why would I spend that kind of money? I did not understand on a space that I don't even own. Like it's it's someone else's space. I'm renting the space. So that made no sense to me at all. And I think I just went "Ah, on this interior design thing. So did you throw out the baby with the bath bath water or did you have it? I kind of did. I did that. And so now I'm hoping today that you are going (laughs) to help me bring the baby back in and resuscitate the baby. Yes. Very much. Yeah. Yes. We can go all over the place there. So how do we want to start? So let's talk about this. Like you, so you got interested in this whole interior design and then you found your niche. Yes. So your niche niche is what my niche is, which is why you're here. So talk about like that transition and what you started to see with this particular, within this wellness community. Well, yeah. So here I was as a designer and I was doing commercial design, all types of commercial design. And at the same time, I was already in, I was already a patient. I was a chiropractic patient for 30, I have been for 30 something years and into the whole wellness where I took responsibility for my health. I didn't let the health, I didn't let the medical departments tell me or my insurance tell me, et cetera. And that had already been a path for me. And then I got involved in working with Life University, which is the chiropractic college that's here. I'm in the Atlanta area. And I began to be immersed in the business, more of the business and the psychology of the businessman as a chiropractor. And what the chiropractor was really dealing with honestly, being especially in 2000, I started really doing this about 2003 with Life University and just realizing that their voice needed to be heard stronger, louder, and more respected. Yeah. And as a designer, I knew in commercial design, that environment is a direct relationship to your brand and it is your brand. Yeah. If you want your brand to show the way that you say you want it to show, then everything needs to be congruent with that, including your environment. And so I was seeing these chiropractic, you know, in fact, when I I work with my husband and when we first decided that we needed to start doing this, because we started doing it by teaching classes at Life Ah. on the impact your space has on your success and didn't have any intention of doing chiropractic offices. We knew there wasn't enough in Atlanta for us to even make a living. But fast forward, we figured out how to do it virtually. And so we started doing that in about 2011. And we've been growing ever since. But the goal was to elevate the profession so that it's more respected, so that more people see it as the go-to for their health care. So that, so that chiropractors and holistic healthcare professionals can save more lives. Because I know the impact that holistic health can make on the patient. Yeah. Yep. So trying to get, what is it? They say 8% of people go to a chiropractor. That yeah. is so nothing. nothing. I know I agree. Nothing, nothing. And I know that 
there's been a change and a shift in the respect for chiropractors over even the course of time that we've been doing this, but it's still a little bit of an uphill battle. Yeah. I still get the Facebook posts of things that are, that, you know, that are being attacked and all of those things. So with all that being said, the goal is to elevate the profession so that you can save more lives. Yeah. Yeah. So when you then, so you started working at Life College or teaching those classes, and then you realized that you as a chiropractic patient, and whether if you're listening, whether you're an acupuncturist or a nutritionist, whatever your brick exactly. and mortar doesn't matter. The point is that in the space of wellness or holistic medicine, we all know that very often we're looked down on, so to speak, by people who don't understand. And it's just because they have a lack of knowledge. It's not because you are a bad person or I'm a bad person. It's just because the person that's looking in, to your point, Carolyn, about someone making a post on your Facebook page, they just don't understand. And that's okay. That's okay. But how do we then elevate what we do by creating an environment that says what? How would you finish that sentence? What is the environment that shows you are professional and that you are can be trusted with what with their health? So when someone comes into your office, if not everything around them helps them feel like they can trust you, you're already going up a little bit of an uphill battle if they right. don't understand chiropractic. You're already trying. We know that you're marketing. We know that you're having to educate your patients. We know that's a part of the community service that you're going to give. But as you bring patients in, they need to feel a sense of trust. And if they look around and your environment is dirty, dark, dingy, dated, you know, I can go on from that you're going to be fighting even more of an uphill battle. Right. So we're not talking about, you know, the $60,000 front desk Taj Mahal. Exactly. We're talking about, in, and I love the word intentionally making a choices to make sure that your environment is going to amplify who you are. It's just like going into a retail store to buy something. Yeah, there's so much money that gets spent on designing the interior of Trader Joe's or Macy's. I remember watching a a documentary years ago about how they place the clothing in these department stores. And now even they're putting scents and smells that are, they're diffusing those in certain areas of the store that elicit a certain type of feeling. I'm like, first of all, it makes me mad because I don't like being manipulated, number one. And I, against my will, nonetheless, but environments do affect the way that we interact with the people in the environment, the things in the environment, how we feel, et cetera. So a patient is coming to my office, let's say here, and I'm not a chiropractor here. And my office is not chiropractic. I do something totally different, but I have a patient that's walking in the door, but they're here to see me. They're not here to see my office. So uh, my my chairs are nice. I got nice pictures on the wall. I have a couple of plants I picked up at Home Goods. You know, I got my desk with my computer and a little computer re- terminal. And I think I'm like, you know, pretty much doing okay. So what you, am I missing? Well, you might not be missing anything. I can't see your whole office, so I don't know if you are or not. If you've intentionally planned it, you might not be. Losing anything. Oh, no, girlfriend. No, there is no (laughs) intentionality behind this. This is me picking out a chair and I go, oh, I think that's a cute chair. I think I'll put that in here. (laughs) And that's all the, that's the end of my intention. So how do I then take what I have in my office and create something that is a little bit more intentional? How would I go about doing that? Well, the first thing that we would always ask you is not what do you like? 
but what is your ideal patient's taste? What is their taste? What is their expectations? You have an ideal patient and you, that's one of the most you know, basic things you need to do in business because that's going to identify everything that has to do with your branding. So remember that your interior is an extension of your branding and branding is not just your logo. Branding is who you are. That's right. Okay. So the first thing we would ask you is who you are and how do you want to show up to your ideal patient to be the one that they would trust, know and trust. And so once we identify that, then that would start to create, just like you would in logo design, that would start to create the look, the feel, the image that you're trying to do. Some simplicities would be, you know, are you serving the sports community? Yeah. Okay. Are you serving the moms and the babies and the pediatric community? Are you serving the geriatric community because you're doing neuropathies? I mean, what... Who are you serving? And you need to look at who you're serving and create an environment that attracts them to you and encourages them to stay there. So think about a minute, retail design and hospitality design. Okay, retail design, you just spoke about it earlier. That attracts you so that when you walk in, you know the level of price you're probably going to be paying, right? You know, the level of quality you're going to be getting, you know, just feel that around you. If there's an incongruency there, then you probably won't. Okay. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to stop the incongruency. So if you're presenting yourself as this, you know, I'm going to really help you and you've got ripped up chairs and everything's dated and the lighting's dark and shabby, then that's going to be something you're fighting against. Instead of, as you were talking about Macy's, create everything you can to support that environment. Yeah, and the the word picture that I just, the thing I just thought of, I get it. So if you think about, I'm thinking about a shopping experience. If I walk into a store and the racks are all disheveled and the stuff is everywhere and there's stuff on the floor, you know, kind of like, going to, you know, somewhere there's like a big sale and yep. the people have just ransacked the place. And it's just, the hangers aren't, it's all that, but every single shirt on the rack is $79. I'm going to go, what? This is like crap because it looks that way. It looks all disorganized and chaotic. And so my mental association is going to be, oh, well, this is going to be cheap stuff because exactly. it's all yeah. just all chaotic. So I love that. I love that analogy. So creating an environment that is conducive to what you're charging and or the service that you're providing. And even more importantly, the transformation that the patient can expect to get from you. So is it disheveled? Do you have like crap everywhere or is it all nice and tidy and orderly? And I would imagine that for probably a lot of practitioners, it's things are, you know, you just don't pay attention. They're just Mm -hmm. old, you know, after a while things get dated and now it's, you still have stuff in there from the 1980s. Exactly. 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 So that's retail design. Another aspect of design that really has to do with going all the way back to my understanding of NASA is the psychology when you're in the space for a while. So that has more to do with hospitality design. So hospitality design would be the design for restaurants. And let's just talk restaurants for a second. They are creating an atmosphere that makes you want to stay there. And makes you want to come back. Right. Especially for chiropractors, 
and holistic health care professionals that need their patients to come often enough to get well, they need to create that environment that's going to be conducive to them, to what they're trying to do, what the culture is that they want to have. So you'll have, you know, we, I can think of, we just talked a little bit earlier about a sports culture versus a mommy culture, you know, and you want those mommies to connect each other and what can you do in the design of your space to do that? And some of that is the layout and the function, right? And then some of it is the form or the three-dimensional space. So for a practitioner who's listening to this going, oh my gosh, I can just see my waiting area is just needs a update. So obviously this is going to translate not only to a waiting area, but also like treatment rooms or any other room where you might have infrared sauna, or you have some kind of spa or a salt room or a music sound bathroom or whatever it is. So let's say you say, start with the entry. The person walks in the door. What are three things or five things that you would say, these are things you need to look at right away? Like first walking in the door. So I'm not my own patient. So it's hard for me to walk in and look at it objectively because it's subjective because I own the business and I'm here all the time. So what would we look for when we walk in the door? Well, I'm, you led me right into that one. So there's a, we have a five point designer checklist that is in, it's in the free resources that. Okay. Let me just speak them, but it was written to be like a workbook that you can print and write on and with a bunch of questions in it as you go through. But the five big ones is number one is you can't look at it. You need to bring in another party to look at it because you live in it and you see it every day. And if it bothered you, it would already be fixed. Yeah. Okay. So bring in another person that you trust, someone that idealistically is mimics your ideal patient. Maybe it is your ideal patient that you trust that will be honest with you. You need them to be honest and ask them. There's a whole series of questions, but how do you feel when you walk in the front door? What do you see? What could I do to improve? Get their opinion. Okay. Just really understand. Then there's usually four big things that would come up. Number one, is it dirty and cluttered? So think about when you're in a space and I'm going to use that analogy you had of the discount department store. It's usually very crowded. Everything's crammed together. It's hard to find anything. There's a bunch of advertisements stuck all over the wall. You know, I we when I teach classes, we talk about Walmart versus a Giorgio Armani. Yes. So there's nothing wrong with Walmart. They make a ton of money, but it was very intentional to to create that low priced leader. Yeah. It's full, it's busy, there's advertisements everywhere. Is your does your office look like that? Is there pamphlets all of it's amazing to me. You have a front desk, it's that flat flat surface syndrome. How much stuff can you put across it? Nope. They're not going to look at any of it. None of it. No. You know, one at a time, once a month, once a week, change out, whatever, be very intentional, very focused on what you're doing. So uncluttering. And is it dirty? You know, is your bathroom dirty? Do you need to get a good grout cleaner in there? I mean, what, you know, just that basics, right? The next one, is it worn out? So dirty and worn out are two different things. Okay. Yeah. So do you have duct tape on your adjusting table? Okay. (laughs) Probably seen it. I would bet why it's coming. I have. I have seen it. I have seen it. So it's one thing for it to be dirty and cluttered. It's another thing for it just to be worn out and you need to lose it. You need to get rid of it. You need to reupholster it. You need to do something. Yeah. But then we go to another level and is it dated? When something, when your surrounding is dated, 
the impression that a person has is that they're not up to date. I'm not up to date as a practitioner, that my environment's dated, therefore I must be dated. And dated doesn't mean old. Dated means intellectually, like I'm behind the scenes. Yes. Is that what you're implying? Yes. Well, if the physical environment, yes, is dated and whether we like it or not, things are going to date. Environments are going to date every seven to 10 years. Your clothes date, your hairstyles date. Why wouldn't your interior state? Okay. So they're going to date and that shows that, Hey, I'm back in time. I'm not up to date or I'm cheap. That's another thing. Right. right. Okay. Cause you don't want to appear cheap to people. You don't want to necessarily appear. You, if you've got a, you know, a pretty l- high volume practice where you've got a lower mid lower price point on your product, you can't look like a Taj Mahal because that oh, won't come back either. Yeah. Yeah. But if you've got a very specialized practice where people are coming in as cash basis and they're, they, you know, they, it's in extreme cases and you've got long care and it's a high ticket item, your practice better match that. Yeah. Or they're not going to feel that connectivity, et cetera. Right. Right. So I'm sorry, I went off into a tangent there, but that's dated dated are the things dated. So unfortunately (laughs) things can date faster than they wear out sometimes. And you just have to put it into your budget to redo it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you just have to, I mean, I think that's, I think that's where I'm at. And in my office here, I mean, nothing's really worn out at all, but I do think that they're probably the chairs might be just like reaching the edge of their datedness and they still look brand new, but I look at them and go, well, there's nothing wrong with the chair. Like it's fine, but I'm looking over at it right there and think, yeah, I probably just need to upgrade a little bit. Yeah. So Fresh. so you have a chair. This happens all the time. You have a chair. You spent some good money on it. A commercial quality chair. It lasts 20 years, but it dates in seven to 10. So what do right. you do? Right. Right. So you can, I don't know what kind of chair it is, but you could potentially refinish it because usually the color of the wood will date and the fabric will date. You know, yeah. if the fabric isn't worn out. Good commercial fabric doesn't wear out. Right, right. You know, you can reupholster it depending on how elaborate it is, or you can compare the cost of reupholstering it versus giving it, donating it, and buying something new. Or even we're being intentional about the type of quality that you purchase, you know, to spend more on a commercial grade piece of furniture when you know that it may date itself in seven to 10 years. Maybe you don't need to buy that high quality. You can buy something that's a little bit less expensive, knowing that if it wears out, it's probably going to be wearing out at about the time it's dated anyway. That's very good because you don't have the, remember when you buy commercial quality furniture, it's intended for very high volume. High use, exactly. High use, et cetera. And a typical doctor's office is not going to have that level Mm -hmm. of use. So it, you know, you're not the emergency room at a big hospital. Right. You have that turnover. So you're exactly right. The other thing that we tell, especially startups, is you can still buy furniture on chairbiz.com. I can show you a ton of it. It's quality that's dated. Right now, it's dated. You can still buy it. Just because you can buy it today doesn't mean it's not a dated style. Good point. So where would we go to find things that aren't dated? Well, you can still go to chairbiz.com and find some things that are not dated. But what we suggest is go look at residential department stores and see, because they're the ones that are always ahead of the curve with styles. Okay. Uh, okay. Go look there. Go see, you know, your favorite. And, What's and, in? 
Yeah, and see what's in. And sometimes buying residential furniture, quality residential furniture is equivalent to lower quality commercial furniture. Yeah, yeah. The the only challenge would be the fabrics, depending on what you did there. What we tell startups is we tell startups buy style over quality and replace it. Yeah. If you have to compare the two, like we were talking about the chair.biz, here's my $75 chair that's dated but it's high quality and it won't wear out. And here's my $75 chair from Ikea, which has some really cool furniture. Exactly. It's going to wear out in a couple of years and you replace it. And I'm okay to replace it because it was an inexpensive chair. Don't care. Exactly. And then so datedness and things of that sort. The other thing that dates really fast is colors. The wood colors and the wood tones, they're going to vary. The paints on the wall, they're going to change over time you know, colors of flooring, things of that sort. You know, we're in a kind of a season right now that the cool grays are going out and it's getting warmer, but it's still not as warm as the 80s. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's going to, and colors always cycle. They never come 100% back, but they always cycle. Yeah. So even the jewel tones are coming back, but there's a twist to them. They're not quite like they were before. So that's, you know, you're just looking at colors and paints the, cheapest, easiest thing for you to do. It just, you know, and choosing to paint dramatic colors on the walls in certain key areas, maybe all you need to create, you know, a real fresh wow look. Right. Finishes, changes of finishes, changes of furniture, dating. And then the fifth thing to look at is your lighting. So lighting could be potentially one of the more costly things to change out, but it doesn't have to be. So in your typical, like tip, I'm going to talk about startups, typical startups tend to, it's not universal, but they'll tend to release a retail strip center. Okay. That tends to be one. They're easy to find. They have great flex visibility, great parking. There's a lot of reasons for that and that you can get them small enough to start in. Right. Okay. And you usually get them, if you get them in what we call a white box, which is think of your typical retail, they have a lay-in ceiling with two by fours across the top of it, broad wash of light everywhere. Right. So that works for Walmart. (laughs) It doesn't necessarily work for a higher end level of anything. And so being able to vary the light level within a space to create more of a different environment is a, you can make a huge impact in your space. Are you talking about little slider lights? Like even that to that level? Well, that level are different types of lights in different area. I know, you know, even turning off the fluorescent lights and putting floor lamps in a room can change the environment tremendously with very inexpensive money. If that's all you have are big two by fours everywhere in your your space. And Now you don't see fluorescence in, unless they're older spaces, but even LEDs, you know, a wash of LEDs is not, is doing about the same thing as a wash of fluorescence. So just yeah. trying to vary the light level, the quieter you want the space, the lower the light level, yeah. the busier the space, the more energy you want the right. space, the higher the light level. Right. So there's obviously a ton of things that we need to be looking at. So for those of you that are listening, if you found yourself like checking out a little bit as she's talking and you're thinking about, 
oh yeah, I do have that in my thing. And how can I do? I did that about five times while you were talking. Sorry, <laughs> not because I didn't want to listen, but because I, you were giving me so much. I'm thinking, yeah, this is a hundred year old building and it still has fluorescent lights. And I'm thinking in my mind, you're talking and I'm thinking, listening with one ear and with the other ear, I'm like, okay, I wonder who I could get to have to do that. And what would I do? Well, come back to me okay. if you're listening or watching and no. Carolyn has given this, all this information is in a free resource. I will link to that in the show notes, but I believe Carolyn that, let me get to it. I've got it right here is your website is chiropracticofficedesign.com. Yes. So doesn't matter if you're an acupuncturist, if you have a brick and mortar, you're a health coach, you're a nutritionist, you're a pharmacist, you're whatever your specialty is. If you're in the space, you're doing holistic or wellness type care with yes. your ideal patient. This is who you want to work with. She is definitely the expert and has niched down, which I love. She's not just an interior designer for everyone. She says, Hey, this is the world that I know I could do anything but I really love working with people in the wellness space. So chiropracticofficedesign.com and the resource that she has, all you have to do is hit forward slash Rhonda, R-O-N-D-A. So chiropracticofficedesign.com forward slash Rhonda. For those of you that are listening, you can go grab that or I will also make sure that it's linked in the show notes as well. So That's you can awesome. grab it either place. That's awesome. So now- I am, my brain is like all spinning about this concept and idea about creating okay. a space. And I definitely need, that's awesome. I need your help. So how do I go about working with you? And so for the rest of you that are eavesdropping now on my private conversation, and I want you to know the reason I have a podcast with guests is so I get this kind of advice. <laughs> Why I do this. It's more for me. No, I'm kidding. So I love how, this. if I want to work with you or anyone else is listening, How's the best way to go do that? What are the steps that involves? So step number one is go to our website. And step number two is you can find hopefully very easily all over our website, a link for complimentary consultation. Okay. And that will take you to a page with a series of questions specifically about what you're dealing with so that we understand how to match all that up. And then you have an opportunity to upload pictures. You have an opportunity to upload floor plans wherever you are in the space. Because we also, we've been talking about refreshes. We also, a huge part of our business is move people that are moving, people that are looking for new space, people that need to figure out how much space they need. That's uh, something that we can do. What image do we want to have to go out there? So all of those type of things. So we want to know all where you are in the process. Right. And then that will take you to another page where there's a Calendly link to find an appropriate time for you to meet up with Allison. And then she'll take you through, it's 45 to 60 minutes where she really digs into what do you have and what's going on. And then she can show you how that can match up to our services. Okay. So we do, like I said, we do full architecture. We do ground up buildings. We do full architectural interior design, permit drawings and overseeing construction, et cetera all the way down to what we call facelifts, which is what you and I've been talking about. That's what I, I need is a facelift. I need my office. My space needs a, it, it needs some a nip and tuck. A nip and tuck. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Well, Carolyn, it has just been a delight to have you on. I feel like Thank I you. met a new friend. I am going to meet my new interior designer. I have met my new interior designer. And I will tell all of you that are listening, I promise you this, this is my commitment to you. I'm going to share with you my before 
and my afters. How fun. We're going to put Carolyn to the test over here and see if the girl <laughs> does what she says she's going to do. And I am going to pay for the work. So I'm going to get myself a little facelift in my business and I'm going to show you and I'll share with you the before and the afters when we get through this process. So Carolyn, I'm like awesome. really excited. I'm like That's looking exciting. forward to having. Well, I want to share this. We have we see somewhere in a ten to twenty percent increase in business when people do yes. their space. Talk about that. We kind yeah. of skipped over that in the beginning. Yeah, it has yeah. to pay for itself, and I yes. believe you. But how does that happen? So it pays for you in that it. There's several things. One, obviously, it helps you attract more patients, and so there's a congruency. And number two, it helps you retain those patients so that you're not always chasing for new patients. The other thing it does is it elevates you and your staff. So it's like putting on a nice suit and right. it changes your. So we, it's very hard for us to quantify an exactness to it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it is pretty documented across most of all of our clients that immediate and longevity in their change I love that difference. And I, you know, for what I do here, it's a pretty high ticket. And I honestly, like I, it just never occurred to me. And I have to say that in the interior design, choosing clothing, getting myself, I can physically get myself dressed. But if you ask me to put together an outfit, that's all trendy and all with the colors and all that, I'm like sticking with black because it's easy and I don't have to think about it. So I love your superpower of being able to do that. I, I, it's one thing that I don't do well. But I ne- it never occurred to me to have my space match the price tag. That like I'm just thinking, well, we just need chairs. What do you mean? We just go down to like cost plus and find the chairs that we want and all those look good. Okay, great. And I got a picture that matches. And it never even occurred to me, which is I'm a little embarrassed to say that, but it just never even occurred to me that I should maybe up my space based on the price tag that I'm charging for what I do. Duh. Yeah, it Should've makes a big difference. That. But yeah, I never even thought about that. It can. Well, all right. So one more time chiropracticofficedesign.com forward slash Rhonda, R-O-N-D-A, is where you will find this resource that she has graciously given to us. And then if you want to work with her, go again to chiropracticofficedesign.com. And, but just please give me five minutes because that's what I'm going to go do right now. So don't be doing all the rush on her. I got to let me get in first. Would you guys all please? So I'm going to do that first, but I will share my before and after photos. So Carolyn, are you up for it? Yes, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's do, do it. it. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me yeah, today. It's been fun. I'm looking forward to working with you. Sounds great. Rhonda. Thank you. Thank you. Well, friends, that was an amazing conversation. I am so excited about getting started on my own project. I can't wait. And as you know, I mentioned, I am going to do the before and after, and we'll just see what kind of transformation she can make in my space. So if you want to connect with Carolyn, I highly recommend it. You can find her on Instagram or Facebook. If you just search Crossfields, you'll find her. She's on Facebook um, just as Crossfields, which is her business name. And then on Instagram, she's Crossfields uh, Cairo Design. So now she also very, very generously has provided a super cool resource for us, just for us on the Clinical uh, Entrepreneur Podcast. And if you go to her website, here's where you need to go, chiropracticofficedesign.com forward slash Rhonda. 
Okay, chiropracticofficedesign.com forward slash Rhonda, and that's Rhonda without an H. She has a whole page dedicated to us, and she's basically going to give you 15 floor plans, a five-phase checklist for a startup office, a designer checklist, and the five biggest mistakes that chiropractors or any healthcare practitioner make when you're opening an office. So it's a major bundle of really great resources. I highly recommend it. I have it, I downloaded it, and I love it. So all you have to do is go to chiropracticofficedesign.com forward slash Rhonda, R-O-N-D-A. And uh, our friend Carolyn's gonna take super good care of you. So thanks for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. Take care, have a great week.